Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis. This is the Catholic podcast where you will discover spunk and motivation to live a vibrant and transformational life as a child of God. I'm Rochelle Lucero, and I invite you to walk with me as we dive into all the things that Jesus gave us to do just that. I'm talking about the Bible, Catholic tradition, church documents, the catechism, the saints, the fathers, the doctors of the church, you name it, and I'll draw from it. You and I together, we are going to transform the world by letting Christ transform us. Hey, what's up? Rochelle Lucero here, coming at you early in the morning over here in my world. I don't know when you're going to listen to this, but right now, just imagine it. The world is still outside, except for maybe, you know, some chirping birds and maybe like a dog in like the far, far background. Oh, it is just an amazing time of the day. I love it, but not as much as I love my bed and sleeping. So, you know, I don't really sacrifice that that often. (laughs) You know, not much can take me from my bed early except talking to you. And today, I'm really excited about what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Lent. I love this season. This is my favorite liturgical season of the year. And I know that that might sound like, what? What are you talking about? This is such an agonizing time of the year. I love Lent. It is my favorite. And I think, you know, it's not because I'm particularly good at it either. You know, a lot of times we love the things that we are good at and we excel at. That's not necessarily my case. I love how Lent stretches me, really. I love how it stretches me. And I love the power that you can feel in the air. It's like, you know, the collective intentionality of Catholics and even non-Catholics that participate in Lent. You know, you could feel it. You could feel it all over. You know, it's like static electricity in the air. It's palpable. You know, it's it's like when you when you walk into a church, a small church especially, you know, after, you know, churches that use incense and you walk into that church and you can not only smell that sweet aroma of the incense, but you could see it, right? You could see the cloud and you like are actually walking through the cloud of incense. That is what I feel during Lent, especially in churches, obviously, even when they don't have incense, but that is what I feel, you know? I love that feeling. Another thing I really, really enjoy is doing, how do I say this? That doesn't sound masochistic. (laughs) I love the, you know, practices that we have through Lent, especially, you know, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Now, of course, we're supposed to do this all year long, but the church calls us to be more intentional about it during Lent and to intensify it more. And I love that, not just because I like the pain and I like to grab the bull by the horns and, you know, get you know, down and dirty with my sins and just like really like do like an overhaul on my soul. That's not why I like it. Actually, that's something I try not to think about (laughs) until, you know, Lent's over and I can go back and reflect on what happened. No, what I love about it is that when we pray, pray fast and give alms, especially during this season, because it's so like intense and you see it everywhere and everyone's talking about it, it reminds me that the church is calling us to do that because they're calling us to directly imitate Jesus and what he did when he was in the desert for 40 days. Do you remember that? When he was in the desert for 40 days and then the devil came and tempted him with, you know, three temptations? Oh my gosh, because there is, okay, imitating Jesus. Okay, love it. But there's also like this really, really deep significance to what Jesus did and what we also now participate in, right? And it's so deep. It goes way back, like back to the time of the garden. 
And it's so powerful and I love it. You know, every year thinking about it, meditating upon it, having some sort of a, like a new insight about it. Ugh, did I mention I love it? Okay, we can move on from that. <laughs> and You know, I'm perfectly aware that this love that I have for Lent might make me a total weirdo. And I am perfectly fine with that. Not everyone has the same approach when it comes to Lent and not everyone experiences Lent the same. And that is okay with me. So in this episode, I'm not going to try to convert you to love Lent as much as I do or even love it at all. And I'm not going to try to lure you out onto Weirdo Island with me. Okay, that's a promise. But what I am going to do is I'm going to share a little bit of the power and the beauty and the sheer gloriousness of our prayers, our fasting, and our almsgiving, and how they are connected to Jesus, you know, the temptation that he had in the desert. And my favorite part, if you did not pick up on it yet, how they go back to the garden and how these acts are undoing the catastrophe that was the fall of Adam and Eve. Okay. Yes. I said that Jesus undid the three sins of Adam and Eve. And we are also participating in that. So I know it's insane, right? You know, they say knowledge is power. And in my experience, the more I know about something, the more invested and involved I become in it. So no matter your mindset or your approach or your experiences in Lent's past, you know, you might see Lent as a season of no, don't do this, don't touch that. You know, it kind of reminds me of when I was a little kid and uh, my mom would allow me and my brother to go into the store with her, but it was always with one caveat that we don't touch anything. And if we did, we had to go back in the car, you know, and this was back in the eighties when you were allowed to leave your children in the car in the parking lot and it was perfectly safe and everyone did it. Right. Yeah. So some people see Lent that way and I, I, I get it. Right. You know, or you might be one of those people who just like grins and bears it. You know, you bear the struggle, you bear the sacrifices, but instead of grinning, it's kind of more like you're gritting your teeth. And you look like a snarling bear towards the end of the season, right? Or you you could thrive in Lent, you know? Um, if you do thrive in Lent, tell me how you do it because I love it so much and I want to be better at it. So yeah, tell me how you're thriving, what you're doing. But like I said, it does not matter where you land on this spectrum. What I'm going to share is life-giving and it's going to work in your favor and open you up to the graces of this Lent and possibly many Lents to come. And that's not because of me, you know, it's because God is awesome and wondrous and he made it this way, right? There's so much here that he wants you to know and have and to meditate on and work through so you can become more like him. All right, so further ado further ado, without further ado, Matthew chapter four, that's where we see Jesus tempted in the, in the desert, right? And it's not a long story. It's actually very short, you know, and there's no big firework moments either. You know, we see Jesus fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. The devil shows up towards the end and he tempts him with three temptations. And every time Jesus puts the devil in his place, right? With like a scripture passage. And then the story says, then the devil left him and suddenly angels appeared or angels came down and they waited on him, right? That's the end of the story. And then it moves on to Jesus in his ministry and calling his first apostles or his first disciples. And that's kind of what we pay attention to because it's like, oh yeah, here's the action part, right? Like Jesus is out on his, in, on his mission and he's collecting his apostles and 
or his disciples. Yeah, so we don't, we kind of gloss over the three temptations, right? But that story is a big deal because like I said, Jesus is undoing the three sins of Adam with every single sin that he, or temptation that he smacks down and conquers. All right, so if you are one of my note takers, I know I have a few of you out there. This is the moment. All right, so in the church, you might have heard of something called threefold concupiscence or the triple concupiscence, maybe even the unholy trinity, right? These have to do with the three major sins of humanity, right? It says that every sin of humanity can be traced back to one of these three sins, right? That's at the root of it. You have the lust of the flesh, which has to do with pleasures for the body. Now, it's not just sexual. It's also food and drink and excessive relaxation and comforts, right? That's lust of the flesh. The second is lust of the eyes, which has to do with seeing something and wanting to possess it, right? You know, Ariana Grande, she absolutely ruined my favorite song in the whole wide world. My favorite song in the whole wide world is the favorite songs. It's the favorite song. <laughs> uh, favorite things. You know, these are a few of my favorite things. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Anyways, she remixed that. And in her rendition, she um, her chorus says like, I saw it. I want it. I got it. Or something stupid like that. Anyways, that's lust of the eyes. Okay. You see something, you have to have it, right? You have to possess it. The third sin is pride of life, sometimes called pride of horses. I think Augustine uses that term, pride of horses, and you'll you'll see why. So this is just, you know, pride for one. It's like this desire and striving for greatness or power or like to be elite, you know, so like horses meant power. It meant like in ancient times, it meant like if you had a lot of horses, you had, a, you know, a large army, right? So it's power, it's greatness. You, you want to be, you know, superior. Okay. So threefold concupiscence. This is, you know, something that the early fathers, the early church fathers um, compiled for us. And it's, it's obvious, you know, when we look at it. We're going to go to Genesis and then we're going to look at Jesus. All right. So when we look at Genesis, you know, these are the three, I've told you what the three sins are of man or the threefold concupiscence. And now I'm going to look at Adam and Eve and, and where we see these sins played out in the fall. Okay. So Genesis chapter three, verse six, one verse, it, it's one sentence. It contains all of the sins. Okay. So it says, so when the woman saw the tree was good for food, okay, so she saw like it was good for food, right? That links up with lust of the flesh, you know, pleasures of the body and delighting to the eyes, okay? So that's lust of the eyes. She saw it and she thought it was delightful and she wanted it, right? And that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, okay? That's pride of life, right? They wanted wisdom. They wanted greatness. She took of its fruit and she ate it. All right, right there. All the three sins in the fall, in one line in scripture. All right, so we're going to move to Jesus and see how he does all three, undoes all of these three things. All right, so the first temptation, the devil tempted Jesus with food, right? He said, turn this stone into bread, right? Because Jesus was hungry. He'd been fasting for 40 days, right? That was lust of the flesh. Jesus beat that sin, okay? The second temptation was to prove that he was the son of God, you know, to prove he was powerful. The devil said something like, you know, throw yourself off of this tower and 
command the angels to come and carry you down or something along those lines, right? So it's just like, yeah, prove that you have clout, prove that you can command the angels, prove that you have power. All right, that's pride of life. Jesus beat that one. The third temptation was to be the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. And that's what the devil promised him. He said, bow down to me and I will make you a ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. And when he did this, he said, see all, like he took Jesus, you know, to see all of the kingdoms of the world, right? So he's like, see all of these, everything that your eye can see, you will possess that. Okay. That is lust of the eyes. Jesus beat that sin. And in beating all of these sins, Jesus undid all of the sins that led to the fall of Adam and Eve, right? So really before Jesus even starts his earthly ministry, this is kind of how he starts the his earthly ministry, right? He goes back to the garden. He undoes that. He reclaims these aspects in man and he restores them. You know, because it, what he says is I've come to bring freedom, to bring freedom from sin and death, right? So he has to start with the first sin, right? You know, he says, I, per- I come to proclaim liberty to the captives. You know, like we read in Isaiah 61. You know what? Let me read that. Here, let's read the first part of this because this is what Jesus came to do. And you can see that this is what he's doing when he conquers those temptations before he goes out and starts his earthly ministry and collecting his his disciples, right? It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim a year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness and planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall rise from the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. You see that? It's not just beautiful words. Like all of that has meaning, right? Even like the repairing of ruined cities and the devastations of many generations, right? It goes back to the very first generation, okay? Oh my gosh. So when we pray and fast and give alms, we're partnering with this action of Christ all year long, but in a very intensified way during Lent, right? So when you pray, you are humbling yourself, right? So this is how prayer, fasting, and almsgiving relates to what Jesus did, okay? When you pray, you're humbling yourself. You know, you're conquering your self-love and your self-reliance and you're basically your pride and you're saying, Lord, I need you. I'm not superior in my life. You are, right? So you are conquering the pride of life. When you fast, you're exercising your dominion and your authority over your body, right? You're putting your bodily pleasures in check because there's something else more important than your body. Not that your body's not important, but mastering your will and aligning your will with the Lord is what's important here, right? You have now conquered lust of the flesh, right? You're not concerned so much with bodily pleasures and comforts. You have what you need, right? You're not hurting your body. You're giving your body what it needs and nothing more. And when you give alms, you're giving to the needy, right? You're giving to the church. You're donating something. I mean, if you, even if you don't have money, you're, you're still donating something like your time or your talents or anything like that, right? But when, when we look at it from the aspect of 
you know, money and treasures like that. You're overcoming any sort of like disordered attachment that you might have to things or to possessions, you know, things that you want to possess. Overcoming wanting to possess things overcomes lust of the eyes. Okay, you see that? So it is beautiful the way fasting, prayer, and almsgiving are linked to the three temptations, which are linked to the the, the three sins that Adam and Eve committed, which are the root of every sin of all humanity. And this helps you. You are partnering with Christ in the undoing of our ancestral slavery, right? It's going to benefit you, but it's also going to benefit the whole world, right? Because we are the body of Christ. And it's like I said, it's not just during Lent. This is something that you do throughout the year. You're healing the body of Christ little by little every time you pray, fast, and give alms. So I share this with you so that you can keep it in mind this Lent. You know, pull it out of your back pocket when you start to begin to struggle with your Lenten commitments. Um, Maybe it might even encourage you to pray fast and give alms a little bit more intentionally or maybe a little bit more often throughout the regular year because it is such a beautiful thing that you are participating in with Christ that he's inviting you like to do with him right? Because our God isn't far away. Our God is with us and our God doesn't want to use us to just do things for him. He wants to partner with us, right? So he's always with us and whatever we do with him is good for us, but it's good for all of humanity and it's a sign of our love for him. Also throughout this Lent, maybe go back to Isaiah 61, you know, read it to yourself, And like I said, I really hope that this knowledge now that you possess about, you know, this life-giving knowledge, you know, that it's, it's in your head, but I, you know, I pray that you can make that transition and bring it from your head to your heart, to your practices and really make this a very fruitful Lent because you now have this information and not just this Lent, but every Lent to come. That is my prayer for you. And I want to switch gears for a moment and move on to our comment of the week. If you have another idea for a name or title for this segment, you know, comment of the week, let me know. But this week's comment of the week came into me on Instagram. It was a comment, a public comment on one of my posts, and it's from BJ Brion. And she says, I would not put it past you to be a fire-breathing dragon. You seriously spit out Ruha in spirit and truth. And if you don't know, Ruha is the Hebrew word that we associate with the Holy Spirit. So she's saying that I, you know, spit the Holy Spirit in spirit and truth. And then she says, hashtag do the roar, hashtag I can do this all day. And there's like little emojis and stuff in her post. It's super cute. And so I'm sharing this with you because it made me smile. It made me laugh. And it's not just something that applies to me. I also want to encourage you because you have the Holy Spirit in you. You can share the Holy Spirit in truth, right? In power, right? You have that in you. You have that authority. So yeah, go ahead and you spit Ruha and spirit and truth, okay? And if you want to be featured in the comment of the week, all you have to do is comment on a social post. It could be like a public comment, or you could send me a private message. Or if you don't do social media, you can always email me, clumsytheosis at gmail.com, and email me about anything and everything, right? Tell me how you're doing, what this episode provoked for you, anything along those lines. 
and any of your questions. I just got an email yesterday, which I just sped read through. Oh my gosh, I love uh, it. Really touched my heart, and I was like really like feeling the connection with this listener who sent me the message, and I have to email them back today. But yeah, email me and. Anything that you guys share with me, I will consider for comment of the week. If it's personal, obviously, I'm going to ask you before I share it and get your permission. But yeah, I want to hear from you. Also, don't forget that we've started doing a uh, weekly I'm calling it the check-in, which is just a couple of questions that correspond with the episode that you can take to prayer, take to discussion with friends, or just, you know, look in and check in with yourself and see um, what the Lord can tell you, you know, wh- how, you, how you're doing in your spiritual walk, and your spiritual journey. Those come through on the email, if you get my weekly email. So this will be the second time the check-in goes out. Yeah, you see that? All right. I really want to hear from you. And if you want to respond to me with your answers to those questions, hey, I'm all here for it. I want to see where you're where you're going, what you're doing, and I want to share with you as well. Because like I said in the last episode, your voice is super important to me. And I want to know your thoughts. And yeah, I really want to be there with you and want you to be with me as well. So before you go, if you like this episode, I have a quick favor. I know I asked it last time. But if you could leave a review, not, you know, a a rating is good with like, you know, five stars. That's awesome. But if you could also leave a review and say what you love about the podcast, why you love it, it would really help me out. And I really would love to hear. I would love to hear what's working for you and what, you know, what is touching you so that I can, you know, take that to the Lord and ask, how can I do this more? What, what else can I do to, to increase this? Um, Yeah, I would love to read your reviews. So go to Apple Podcast and leave your review. I'd be very helpful, very thankful for that. All right. Thanks for hanging out with me, my dude. Peace out. Welcome to the end of the podcast. Since you made it this far, you know what that means, right? We're like totally best friends now. (laughs) But for real though, thanks so much for spending time with me and growing in your faith knowledge and letting Christ transform you. Since you stayed this long, I'm thinking that you liked the episode. So will you do me a favor and share it with a friend or all of your friends on social media? While you're online, I invite you to check out my website, clumsytheosis.net. There you're going to find all of the things that you need, such as how to get in touch with me, how to book me as a speaker, how to find my social channels, how to sign up for our weekly email. And very importantly, this is very important, how to donate if you'd like to support the show. This show is listened to in approximately 90 countries across the globe. So if you find value in this show, please consider donating at clumsytheosis.net. Anything that you give is very much appreciated and it is super helpful. All right. Thanks again for walking with me today. Remember that we can transform the world by letting Christ transform us.